Folks, this is your places call. Places for the top of the show. Places for the top of the show, please. Welcome to Waiting for Places, Victoria. It's lovely to have you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm going to dive right in. What is your life story? Where did you grow up? How did you become a stage manager? What brought you to this moment? <laughs> um, I'm going to try and give you the cliff notes. Or I'm going to go way, I'm going to say that and then I'm also going to go way back. Uh, so my, uh, I'm from the UK. My parents met doing amateur dramatics, which is uh, the UK version of community theater. And uh, they were both uh, performers and they got married and had me. And then five years later, they got divorced. And my dad went to acting school in London. He decided that was going to be his, uh, his jam. While he was in London, he met two people with whom he then ended up forming a youth theater company. And uh, he ended up being the like production manager, company manager, stage manager. Uh, the other two gentlemen who were in the company uh, were the writer and um, the book writer, sorry, <laughs> wrote the words and the music. So they had some stuff that was original. They had some stuff that was um, like, they couldn't afford to do big musicals or like rights or anything. I think the the best one they did was Oliver. <laughs> Otherwise, they wrote some stuff and they ended up doing, I think, eight or 10 years at the Fringe Festival in Edinburgh. And as they were about halfway through their um, being a company, I turned 11 and decided I wanted to go and spend the summer with my dad at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. And my mother, I think, regretted saying, yes, she can go and spend her summer holidays with you. So for six weeks, I went up to Edinburgh. I had my 12th birthday. Um, and it was just such a cool experience. And it was such a different experience to all of the other 11-year-olds that were there because my dad was the stage manager, company manager. So I was like, at 11, 12 years old, I was already part of the group. Um, I was just by nature of being his daughter and having to be with him, I made lifelong friends. He was, his flatmates were the lighting um, and sound technicians. And I still very good friends with both of them. They were, you know, my dad at this point was like 40 and they were like at university. So like 19 or 20. Um, and like some of the other performers, they just, they all became my family while I was there that summer. Um, and I was in the children's chorus. It was Oliver. I'm pretty sure it was Oliver. I was in the children's chorus. Um, and I, the first time we went to the little, the theater, uh, I was like, what's happening? I don't, what's happening back there? I don't, what's my dad doing with the book? And because he was calling from backstage. Because um, in the, the, fin the Fringe Festival, you just kind of make do. They give you a theater and you make it work. Um, and I just thought it was so cool. And all I wanted to do was be backstage hanging out with like the crew guys and doing the cool stuff that they were doing. I was no longer interested in trying to sing or <laughs> flocking and uh, have my, I think I had a little solo line. Um, so from then on for the next like three years, I went back in the summer, um, continued to be in the chorus because I clearly was not old enough to be backstage doing stuff. Um, and just fell in love and decided that theater was what I wanted to do. Um, my friends in my hometown couldn't understand it. Nobody had ever really, what theater wasn't big. I'm from York. Uh, there is the York Theater Royal there, but at my school in particular, there wasn't a big performing arts group. Uh, we had like music class that sometimes folded in some performances. 
Um, and then I, t- I was going to try and be brief. Sorry. Uh, my, my dad ended up moving to Kansas city, which is where I am now. So I was, um, 15 or so. Uh, he moved here. He met his wife on the internet and, uh, she's from Kansas city. So he moved over here. I finished my GCSEs in the UK. You finish a mandatory school when you're 16. Uh, but I was young for my year, uh, or my grade. So I was 15 when I graduated. We don't really graduate. You just take your GCSEs and you're done. Um, and the GCSE so, is a specific, it's like a standardized test. Yeah. Yeah. It's your general certificate of secondary education and you take one for each subject. Um, and then you get a grade and then based on those grades, you can either go on to sixth form, which is what you do when you're like 17 and 18, which then leads you into university. Um, or you can decide to not do that. So I decided I was going to move to Kansas City um, and live with my dad and my stepmom. So I ended up doing two years of high school instead of A-levels, which is mind-blowingly different when you come from a little school um, in the north of England to come to a massive high school in the middle of the United States. <laughs> it was a huge culture shock. Uh, but I jumped right into the theater department and the theater teacher, Mr. Jackson, was really nurturing of, I think he was really thrilled to have any students who didn't want to be performers. Um, I had a British, I still have my British accent at the time. So he did make me act in Blythe Spirit. I can't remember what role I did. I remember it was like, he was like, you have to because you have the accent. My dad was the vocal coach, like the dialect coach. <laughs> uh, but that really, like having that, what I thought at the time was stage managing, um, and I definitely had the high school experience of stage managing that was not really stage managing. It was just like bossing people around, um, which I guess managing people is kind of stage management too. So, uh, and then I, I took a kind of a more pragmatic route than most people. And I decided I was going to take a year off after I graduated, I was going to work and I was going to take that year to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, did I want to go to college? Did I want to try and move somewhere? And then I got a boyfriend and ended up staying <laughs> in Kansas City. I was working in a restaurant uh, and I decided, okay, I'm going to like, we we had moved in together. I was like, all right, I'm going to go to community college and get uh, my associate's degree. I'll keep working at the restaurant. And I am definitely still involved in theater. I was taking like, I took a speech class. I was like, I just, my dad was the production assistant at the Kansas City Rep. So I still had connections. Um, And when my dad got a full-time job, he asked me if uh, he wanted, I wanted him to (laughs) put my name in to replace him. Uh, So I said, yes. So at 18, I became the production assistant for Christmas Carol on the Kansas City Rep's production. Uh, I think that was around 2003. And uh, there was like no turning back from there. I, I kept going with doing my community college, but I was like, I did two years at the rep, transferred to UMKC, which is the, the University of Missouri, Kansas City, which is attached to the rep um, and was like folded into Ron Schaefer's fold as the stage management professor. Uh, did uh, like my first week of class, which was ended up being a junior year at UMKC. He told me I was going to be stage managing our town, which was the undergrad fall show. I was like, I don't know how to do that, but okay. I luckily had this amazing director um, who knew, like he took me out for lunch 
Um, and it was like, Ron told me that this is your, you know, your first time stage managing. And I'm like, I'm going to help you. I'm not just here as an acting professor. I'm here for anything you need. The grad students were all great because there's a grad program. So it was really this like, supportive environment to help me learn uh, on the fly, all of the paperwork and all the stuff that like as a PA, you're kind of aware of it. Because at the time, like you're still making copies of things, right? Like reports are not just, they're not being emailed. You're like distributing it to mailboxes. Um, so you know they exist, but you don't have the template for how to, you know, you're like, oh, and there's more reports that I never saw and other meetings. And what do you mean? Like, so um, it was really great to just be thrown into that and know, be kind of found out right away the stage management really was a thing I wanted to do, right? Like my first semester, the first time I was like, theater is my thing in college. Um, I got to find out that stage managing really was what I wanted to do. Uh, and then Ron told me my senior year that I was going into the grad program. Um, so I should put in an application. <laughs> so I did. <laughs> I did. It's a two year program. Uh, I ended up working for the opera and the ballet and the, as well as that you get assigned to theater companies around town. And I was really, I really pushed to be on not just theater. Um, and especially because I had already PA'd for the rep. I, I kind of knew what PAing for the rep was, which is a lot of what the stage management ends up being when you're connected to a university, when you're connected to a professional company. So I at least was like, can you put me as a PA on something that isn't the rep? Cause I've done that. I would like to have a wider uh, breadth of experience. And he was really great about that. Or if I found work that was stage management, like I was child wrangling for the ballet, that was allowed to count as like stage management. Instead of doing Christmas Carol for the rep, I could do Nutcracker with the ballet. Um, and from there, I was folded into the opera <laughs> um, and kept doing a little bit of stuff from the ballet. And then when the full-time position at the ballet opened up, I applied and here I am seven years later. So you know, being 18 and thinking I'm going to take a year out and maybe move to a bigger city. Uh, um, that was almost 20 years ago. <laughs> I'm still here. Yeah, I have so many questions. Okay. Um, so I was going to ask you, why did you go to grad school? But you said it basically your advisor was like, you're going to grad school. Did you have any pushback? Were you were, did you have to justify it to yourself at all? Or were you like, well, he told me I'm going, so I'm going. Yeah, I thought about it. Um, it was really, I felt like I needed the experience still. Um, there, there at the time, there was so much more, and I'm sure there still is. My friend Sadie is running that program now, but I had only been running things as a stage manager or an assistant stage manager, like I said, since my junior year. So I'd only had two years and I knew that I wanted to go in earning not PA rates when I started out after college. So I didn't, I knew that the path that I was choosing was I want to go and get that experience as part of a, a grad program and then come out of that being able to like ASM and stage manage right away. Um, which is not the path for that, you know, everybody chooses a different path, but that was the one that um, I felt was best for me to be able to still learn without it having ha in an like in an educational uh setting and i also was I, like felicia landre is the history professor or i think she's retired recently um and she's just incredible if you ever get to listen to a lecture 
from Felicia Landre about any kind of theater history, uh, like global, French, Russian. <laughs> she is amazing. And to take her classes was just a really delightful part of grad school too, that helped to have a historical uh, knowledge, at least of like white American theater. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then when you got out, and I know you had dabbled at KC Rep and you did opera and you did ballet. Did you specifically choose one or were you whichever job the ballet company happened to offer you a full-time job first? So that's the one you took or does your heart secretly lie with opera? Or are you just waiting for like the company of wicked to call you so that you can go do? <laughs> oh my God. I wish they would. <laughs> um, I in grad school, spent a lot of time paying for the opera. Um, the week before I started grad school, I was at the college bar um, with the opera stage manager who had just graduated from the same grad program who I'd become really good friends with. And she said, we're looking for a PA for, I think it was Aida. Um, are you interested? And I was like, well, I, I probably have to check, but yes. Um, and that was that from then on, I just ended up if I wasn't working on my um, like UMKC show uh, or like one a season, I was asking, I was being asked if I could PA the opera and then asking if I could PA the opera to, <laughs> to Ron Schaefer as a stage, as a stage management professor. Um, so I had this like deep connection already. The ballet at the time, my friend had been hired as the child wrangler, one of the two or three child wranglers for the Nutcracker. Um, and got a Nutcracker tour with a different company and asked me if I would cover her. <laughs> because she's like, I don't want to leave them in the lurch. It was so last minute. Um, do you want to try, like, I can get you on this contract. Do you think that that will be okay? And Ron said, yes, go and get the experience. Uh, so my work at the ballet was like three years of child wrangling Nutcracker, um, which is comparable to Christmas Carol for like number of shows uh, just many more children. Um, <laughs> and I was occasionally ASMing for them, which was a two week contract. It was a tech into a weekend of shows and a second weekend of shows. So I could kind of do all of that while I was in grad school and continued it a little bit. Um, but as I was finishing up grad school, I was offered a full season at the opera as an ASM. Um, I don't know. I, my, I hope none of my ballet people are listening, but I really love opera. Um, the, the something about that, the singing just speaks to me. Um, and I have learned to love ballet uh, as much as I love opera, but op like uh, hitting that high note or holding that, that long note and a or like just a beautiful singing moment in an opera is really like what can make me cry. Um, so yeah, that was, that was how I got to opera, uh, staying in Kansas city, I, through contacts had a little bit of freelance, like shorter contracts filling in. Um, I ended up doing a full year of freelancing around the country. And while I was doing that full year of freelancing happened to go and see my friend Sadie, who was ASMing at the ballet because I wasn't there anymore. And she said to me, did you know the stage manager position has opened up? Um, for the ballet, you should apply. The production manager was like, 
were you just talking to Victoria? Was that right? I didn't think she lived in Kansas City anymore. And the next day I got a call from the production manager that was like, you should apply. Uh, so I did. And here I am. So. Mm-hmm. And did you, I mean, it sounds like Kansas City was very intent upon keeping you in Kansas Apparently, City, yeah. right? Like you were like, I guess I could leave. And Kansas City was like, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which seems to have been okay. But was there ever a moment where you're like, ah, I want to go live in another time zone or like, can I go live by a river that isn't the Missouri River? It does the Missouri <laughs> River go through Kansas City? I it don't does. Even know. Yeah, it does. I drive over it home from work every day. <laughs> um. Yeah, I, that year that I freelanced was very much like, as, this is ridiculous, but I had a dog. Um, he passed away this past summer, but I, he was the first dog. I got him when I was 21, when I was living with that boyfriend, who's the reason I didn't leave Kansas City the first time. Um, and at this point, I had, like the dog's getting older. I had not had a dog for the, the length of a dog's life before. So I thought 10, it's like, he's 10. He's probably going to die soon. And when he dies, I'm leaving Kansas City. Like, it's too much. I've got some work right now. It's too much to try and move myself and a dog to a city where I don't know anybody. If I, What I'm trying to do is stage manage, which means I am going to be gone for 12 or 14 hours a day. I have a support system for the dog right now. <laughs> it's crazy. But it's like, I don't want to neglect this animal. I made a commitment to this animal. Uh, I'm working. And he's gonna, it sounds, I was really heartbroken when he died this summer. Of course you were. It sounds so callous to say when the dog dies and he's gonna die soon, I'm gonna leave the city. Um, so yeah, that was my like heartbroken. Okay. That'll be how I'll get over it. Um, and then I met, I was introduced to a guy, um, who is now my husband. So now I'm in Kansas City with my husband. He was from Kansas City. Uh, he came into the relationship with a dog. I came into the relationship with a dog. My dog was 15 this summer when he passed away. Uh, Sweet Pea is just off to my left. Uh, she's eight. So, <laughs> uh, but it, my husband's family are all here. Um, I'm here. He's a freelance camera assistant um, and works around town and has opportunities to travel. And um, we haven't ruled out leaving Kansas City eventually but right now it, it is kind of holding on to us still so, mm-hmm. um, but yeah oh yeah I was gonna be in New York I was like I was gonna be on tour for <laughs> all kinds of things and I was like I'm doing this um, and I wouldn't say no to going on tour still um, right if Wicked calls you if Wicked calls me yeah this. <laughs> I don't I know why I picked Wicked of all the shows but I did that's terrible. I'm such a terrible musical theater person. I have not ever seen it. Have I? Oh, I did see it once. Me. It yeah. doesn't. It's okay. You're, <laughs> first of all, you just confessed while working for a ballet company, you just confessed that opera is your true love. That's so true. I think it's okay that <laughs> you true. don't know your musical theater. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. Just, you know, maybe lie about that when Wicked calls. Right. <laughs> Yeah, you're the green one, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. And so has the ballet, you're, if you're the PSM for the ballet company, you talk as if you're still employed by this company, but we've also spent the last year not being able to perform in front of live audiences. Mm-hmm. So is are you still working for the ballet company? Are the are the dancers still meeting in studios and wearing masks? And Yeah, so we actually... 
uh, a year ago today, March 16th, um, was the day that we, the official announcement was made that we were going work from home. Uh, there had been, you know, obviously conversations happening. We internally had heard um, a day or two before that they were going to be making the public announcement. Um, working from home is different for dancers. It's not like, if you're, you know, working in office, you can just take your computer home. Um, so we, uh, it was, it was tricky. It was, um, you know, they said, we're going to, like everybody, we're taking it a few weeks at a time. We fully thought that we were going to be back for the spring show. Uh, we thought we had a full fall season planned, like, uh, and that was not what the pandemic panned out to be. Um, so we pivoted and we were um, streaming Zoom classes. So the dancers were meeting once a day um, and a member of the artistic staff on Zoom, meeting on Zoom would teach a class. Uh, and once a week, we were live streaming that to Facebook. So I was helping with the live streaming out to Facebook. So uh, did you have to learn OBS? No, I have never touched OBS. Not never, not once. Uh, <laughs> we were doing just Zoom straight into Facebook and or Facebook Live, uh, which worked. Luckily, we have a delightful marketing department who figured out that connection. Um, my job was to, I was like board hopping it. I was like rotating through featuring dancers. Um, and it was back, you know, a year ago, you couldn't rearrange people's tiles. So I had, I think I have a notebook of like, I would draw the grid. Um, and while the artistic director for the live stream would do his like five minute introduction, I would be frantically writing names so that I could mark off who I featured so that it, I wasn't always like featuring the same people. And sometimes I would get a text from a dancer being like, please don't feature me today. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, it was interesting, but that was only one day a week, right? So uh, I was tasked, but with the assistant stage manager um, by our general manager to do uh, like return to work, ongoing pandemic research. Can you, as guidelines are coming out, can you help us with like figuring out what they are, how they might apply to us? Um, so they, yeah, they kept me on through the end of my season. They kept all the dancers on through the end of their season. Um, so many people were not that lucky. Um, so it was amazing. I had no expectation that that was going to be the case. I thought for sure it was going to be like, you know, when, when we knew that we weren't doing a spring show, I thought I was going to be on unemployment. Um, and I claim unemployment in the summer anyway, if I'm, cause I'm not, I, am a August to May contract with them. Uh, so I'm used to, if I'm not doing a summer stock, claiming unemployment. Um, but yeah, they were great. They decided to go back in the fall. They laid in the fall. The dancers went back into the studios with masks and they had cleaning protocols and they're, all of which are still happening. Um, and I was given the option of going back or staying on furlough. Um, and I are going on furlough coming back on contract and going on furlough. <laughs> um, and I chose to stay on contract, uh, on furlough. I came back on contract and chose to go on furlough. So I wasn't getting paid, but I still had a job to come back to. Um, and I just had some personal reasons for that. It wasn't anything to do with the ballet. It wasn't anything to do with their safety protocols. Um, I just wasn't ready. Um, and just the, the fact that I had that choice was 
incredible um and that they stuck to it and they you know they said we'll revisit in the second half of the year um and if you want to come back before then let us know and we'll figure it out um so i went back the a month ago just about a month ago middle of february uh, i went back and just am uh, figuring it out i'm you know trying not to get in the way <laughs> they've got their routines and they've got their stuff figured out and i just go and help where i can um for the kind of dance stage management that i do which a lot is the same for a lot of full season dance stage managers you're actually not spending time in the studio um you're you kind of go in when you need to or if it's like the last weekend and they're doing run-throughs i spend more i spend a lot of time in the studio as an observer because i like to get a feel for the dance and the music and um if i'm calling to a score i'll go in with the score like with opera i'll go in with the score and like um get used to the music get used to following the music so i'm not spending the little tech time we have uh trying to figure out the music as well as trying to figure out how to call the cues uh so yeah, it's just, I've been in my office. I have a little cubicle on <laughs> my computer. Uh, and like today I was helping with the calendar for next season with the, bud, you know, we're in the time of budgets and was asked to just type something up from some notes of the, you know, please can you data entry this? Uh, happy to. There's not any shows right now. So I'm just kind of, uh, you know, like I said, helping out where I can. Um, mm -hmm many people don't have that opportunity. So you had written me a note that said that you also had experience stage managing for grassroots companies. What does that mean? <laughs> That's what I get for like writing notes and not proofreading them. In Kansas City, there is the, uh, there are small companies that are not the rep. They're not, um, you know, like the opera, the bet, like the ones that we don't have to say the names of because we just know that the rep is the Kansas City, Kansas City Repertory Theater, right? Like the ballet is the Kansas City Ballet. Um, so there's a few of those around town that I, through being at the UMKC theater department and through having that theater experience, um, kept in touch with. And social media is great for that too, uh, that you kind of get to see what everybody's doing. And it has been, a little while. I mean, obviously, it's been a, a little while since anybody's done anything. Um, but it's been a few years since I did my last project. But it's just, it's like scrappy, right? It's like small companies. Um, there's the living room was one and they um, have since closed, but they were doing really strong work that was maybe wouldn't be, that you definitely wouldn't see on maybe the rep stage. Um, they were doing stuff with like Kansas City Actors Theater, which again was trying to really do like the gritty stuff that is really good in an intimate space because uh, it's always an intimate space because you, <laughs> you can't afford a big space. Uh, and it's that kind of stuff is like found theater. Um, the living room especially was in this amazing building where they didn't have a stage with seats. They had spaces and the seats that they had could move. So there might be you go and see Equus on the third floor, uh, but the the last one of the last shows I did with, did with them, which was um, oh, we called it Gamma Rays, but it's the one about marigolds and gamma rays. I'm gonna mm -hmm. have to look it up. No, uh, I the I did effect a, of gamma rays yep, yep. and men on the moon marigolds, maybe something like that. I'm gonna, gonna Google, to Google it right it. now because I did a <laughs> I did a speech in high school when I was on the debate team. I did a monologue from that. Nice. 
so that one we did on the ground floor um, and set it up in more of a traditional layout. But because it was a, it's a found space, um, at intermission, people had to walk across the set to go to the bathroom. So <laughs> part of the intermission duty for the ASMs was we had to put down, uh, they, they had to put down rugs so that the set floor wouldn't get marked up and then police, kind of police the bathroom to make sure there wasn't somebody still in the bathroom when we started the second act because then they were stuck on the other side. Yeah, I've done, I, I worked in a theater where the bathroom is literally on the stage. I have also done that. Yeah. Um, and, and the play you're looking for is the, uh, Gamma Rays on Man in the Moon, the effect of Gamma Rays on Man in the Moon Marigolds. There we go. I was pretty Here close. Yeah, you actually um, were. So, uh, but that, that theater company, that's the kind of thing where you're like, um, you know, the production meeting, you're kind of having a beer in the basement and everybody's taking notes together. And it's a fun environment and there's not this like corporate pressure or like very professional pressure. It's just a, like, let's meet about it. Let's get it done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that. I love having those experiences. I maintained a relationship with the living room for a long time. I would go back and bartend um, if they needed a bartender mm-hmm. uh, on a night when I, you know, a show I wasn't stage managing. Um, so yeah, it's just really cool. I love doing the smaller stuff as well as doing like the huge shows. Um, I think it makes a difference to like be in a small audience versus like the ballet. I call from backstage. I never see the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just two different amazing experiences with one being closer to your, your team, your performers, um, and the other actually being out in the experience of the play. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What I'm trying to get to is Broadway unlocked an air table. <laughs> and I don't, I'm things? like, there's no question there. <laughs> it's just, you work on Broadway unlocked. I personally did an event with you and Broadway unlocked. Mm-hmm. I believe you're a producer for Broadway unlocked. I'm the production manager. Production manager. Mm-hmm. And then, and then Airtable is like a separate software. So yes. <laughs> I want you, I want you to tell me about Broadway Unlocked because I've said this title a lot and it means nothing to anyone who's never done an event with them. And then I also want you to tell me about Airtable. Okay. Uh, so I came to Broadway Unlocked through the living room. Uh, my friend Jess Ryan is the founder of Broadway Unlocked and she also went to college with one of the people who founded the living room. So she is from Kansas City. Everybody's really from Kansas City. Like you can just trace it back. Everybody on Broadway, they don't know it, but they're really from Kansas City. (laughs) Um, So she had family in Kansas City. She was back here um, and was still in theater. I think she, I think they went to Missouri State University um, and came or was in Kansas City and was helping them with a gala. She was doing a fundraiser, uh, which I got sucked into, <laughs> as you do. Um, so I became friends with her as we were planning this fantastic gala to raise some money for the living room so they could pay their rent. We called it the rent party. Um, so from that, she became my good friend. She started staying with me when she would come to Kansas City. So I would see her a couple of times a year. Um, she as Broadway Unlocked was producing the Give Back concert. Um, she lives in New York City. And so she had been doing that for, I think she's been doing that for at least a decade. Um, and this time last year, when the shit hit the fan, um, she was contacted 
by the Broadway Does Mother's Day group to see if she had anybody that could be line producers and maybe that could be line producers. So she contacted me and a couple of other people. Um, and that was really like the beginning of, let me say, I'm still working, a year. I've been working with her for a year uh, of Broadway Unlocked really taking on virtual performances. Um, part of Jess's mission with the Give Back concert had been to incorporate live streaming into like to hybridize a live concert. Um, so she kind of already had some of that knowledge that we then, she found a platform um, and we just took it and she ran with it. And I just went along for the ride um, and we've been figuring it out. So like production manager is my job title, but I'm not doing like production manager, like a theater production manager. Um, I do attend all of our shows and all of, excuse me, all of our techs if I can. Um, but it's, I'm attending in that, like, I'm sitting in the seat that I'm in at my desk with a, some kind of live stream open and a Slack channel and like watching, um, it's really, it's weird. It's amazing. Um, but it's weird. <laughs> Just like all virtual stuff has been right. Um, so I, I really became familiar with this plot. We use Hopin. Uh, became very familiar with the platform, um, really do a lot of work with our venue management team um, and making sure that all of our venue, uh, the Hopin being the venue, which <laughs> think of it as uh, like you come, you get a link and you're, that's you going to the theater. Uh, and then once you've clicked on your link, you're in the theater and you're in the lobby. And from there, you can go to the stage or you can go to like the mezzanine um and find your like patron lounge or you can find your little spot on the mezzanine where your friends are um and then there's a sponsor booth area where you can go and find out about like all the people who donated to make this show possible um so it's a really cool platform that we've that was made for conferencing and we have uh made it we've bent it to our will <laughs> we really made it something that uh we've done galas we've done um, opening night premieres of live streams. Um, we have done conferences. We've done like junior theater festival conferences, uh, which was really cool seeing, being reminded of how exciting it is in high school to be doing theater because it's been, you know, 20 years. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been really inspiring to see theater people be willing to turn to virtual and with that be willing to um, bend, right? And know that it's not going to be their traditional setup, but still have a really amazing and successful time. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my work with Broadway Unlocked. I'm still, I'm balancing Broadway Unlocked in the ballet at the moment. Um, and yeah, we're really excited for what the future can be with like hybrid events. And I don't, I think digital exploded too much and virtual exploded too much for it to go away. So it's figuring out how to keep making that beautiful while still going back to enjoying our live in-person shows that we're all really excited to be able to get back to. Absolutely. Um, um, I think it's really just talking about, because I don't think virtual is going away. I think the accessibility of it for audiences just really opened it up. Mm -hmm. But in some ways, I almost like I think all conferences now have to have some kind of virtual thing, but I'm also like that actually ups the production ante in person because 
if we're all just sitting at home in our living rooms, it's almost okay that we're all just living on our computers. But Mm -hmm. if half of everyone is at a concert, you actually do need to have really good camera quality and really good sound equipment to live stream that to people who are just sitting at home on their computers. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be a really interesting challenge. Yes. I am glad I don't have to pay for that equipment. Yes. Um, okay, and then you wanted to know about Airtable. Uh, yeah. What funny. is this software? So um, my friend Jess Ryan, who is the founder of Broadway Unlocked, introduced me to Airtable. It's all her fault. You can blame her. Um, so it's basically a spreadsheet. It's a You go to Airtable.com and you set up an account and you um, – and I, like, I don't speak technology very well. I'm learning, but, but I, so I've never built a database before, right? I've used Excel. I've used Google Sheets. But I believe this, that it is a database rather than a spreadsheet. I call it a spreadsheet because that's what I know. So you create your account and then the equivalent of folders is you have workspaces. So you can have like Victoria's workspace can have um, like four or five different files in it. And then you can have an additional workspace that's like sharing this with everybody and have four or five different files in it. The files are called bases. So you have, instead of having files in a folder, you have bases in a workspace. Okay. The bases are the spreadsheets. Okay. Um, and they are just so cool. <laughs> like anything that you put in a spreadsheet, you put in Airtable and it just is magical. Um, I use it for, so to relate it to actual stage management work, um, we used it in 20. 19 for our nutcracker kids um we have about 180 to 200 kids audition for nutcracker every season and that is a lot of data entry when you need to have a record of like their audition numbers and their audition forms and all of that stuff so we were like how can we make it so that we don't have to do all that data entry and we figured out I see I'm not as tech savvy as I sound because I can't figure out a Google form. I don't know how to build a Google form. It doesn't make sense in my brain how that works. Uh, but an Airtable form, I am like amazing. I just have to click and drag and the question appears. Uh, <laughs> so we figured out we could set up a form, an Airtable form to ask all the same questions as the audition form. And it just feeds right into the spreadsheet. And from there, they come in to on their audition day. And we can have, it's pre-populated, this spreadsheet, so you can search for their name. They pick up their pre-assigned audition number that got automatically assigned through the Airtable. And then we take a picture of them so that we have a record. And the picture we can then also upload to Airtable, and you can view it in full size. Like, the pictures are probably the coolest, one of the coolest, but everything is cool about it. (laughs) But what it meant for us was that we could have Um, that audition sheet we then filtered down as results came in Um, and then for each role we didn't have to go and create a separate piece of paperwork that was like the face sheet because there's we end up having over 100 kids in the show Um, I think depending on how many are double cast it can be 150 kids across all of these roles where there's two casts Um, we have three we still have three assistant stage manager child wranglers um, so rather than having it be somebody's job to then have to take all of these kids 
and their pictures and try and take like a word document and you know putting images in word documents is a nightmare the formatting is terrible <laughs> um and we didn't have to do that because there's a gallery view and you can just tell Airtable as part of this spreadsheet there's different view options like so different tabs um and you can say give me a gallery view and it automatically populates the picture you can filter it like you can filter a regular spreadsheet by like the role and the cast number um, and then you just print it and it prints out and you spent five minutes doing something that would take somebody four hours at least. Mm -hmm. um, we linked it into like schedules. Uh, so we have we had an online calendar that families could go and look at both in like a list format and in a calendar format mm -hmm. um, that meant that we weren't if there was a schedule change, we didn't have to update 75 different PDFs because everybody got their own. It was they just got an email that said, here's the link, go and check it. Um, and we would just print off like that page and update it on the call board. Mm -hmm. So like the time saving alone is amazing. Um, and you, it's, so you can upload any attachment, right? I, like we use photos the most um, for Collaborators Conference because Collaborators Conference was what the SMA did with Broadway Unlocked, which is great because I was, got to be part of both groups. Uh, we used it on the SMA side. It was used for keeping track of session scheduling. But on the Broadway Unlocked side, we had a whole project management dashboard as well. Mm -hmm. So it has like, multiple uses. I use it because I'm a huge nerd uh, to keep track of books that I've read or want to read. I'm very behind on keeping up with it. But um, I mean, who keeps up with their... I'm sorry. I just want to say that like, I have an email to myself. <laughs> And it's just an ever-growing list. I started this email probably 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. And just anytime someone is like, here, read this book. And I'm like, great, I'll add it to the email. I don't have time to read all these books. Right. Who does? Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. There's just always more list. books. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've got like online digital library. Like you add something to a wait list and then you're in Goodreads and you're like, oh, I like that one too. And like, they don't talk to each other. Um, so then I was, you know, I guess one summer I was bored and I was like, I'm going to start uh, an air table for books I want to read. <laughs> but it was super cool. <laughs> I can categorize it. I'm such a nerd. <laughs> I mean, this anyway. one of my questions is, what are you a nerd about? And clearly the answer is how to organize your books. Right. Also air table. And air table. <laughs> you, if you can just combine books and air table, that is what right. you're a nerd about. It's true. Um, so other uses of Airtable uh, when we were doing our my, my ASM and I were this time last year starting to do the research of return to work and COVID protocols. Um, we kept an Airtable that was like, here's the thing, here's the link to the article, or here's the upload of the PDF um, and the date that we found it. And we had like other categories so that we could then like have, we weren't just trying to keep track of an email, right? We weren't trying to keep track of a Google Drive folder because those things just explode too. Um, so, and then you can share, like for a Google Sheet, you can share a view only link, but it's for the whole thing, right? Like you can't, as far as I know, for a Google Sheet, you can't just share one tab. Maybe you can, that'd be pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> with Airtable, you can just share, um, even within the tab, you can just share the view. So you can send that to somebody and say, here's, the here's what we're working on and you can filter it so that they can only see stuff that's that you've actually both looked at or however has approved it they're like oh yes this actually is a real thing 
um, and let's send it out into the world. Um, we're using I'm on the social media subcommittee for the SMA, and we're using it for content planning at the moment uh, for social media. So we have copy, and we can you can select um, if you're shared on the base, you're called a collaborator. So you can tag yourself when you've approved something. We can leave notes. We have the pictures in there. Um, it's just really streamlined and has stopped something like a Google Drive getting out of control. Mm -hmm. So I, apparently I'm also a big nerd for Airtable. They can also send me money if they would like to. <laughs> <laughs> People have asked me before, they're like, do you get anything for, from Airtable? I'm like, no, it's not like an, I'm not a rep. Uh, <laughs> which I think the most I get is if somebody joins from a link that I send them, I get like a $10 referral fee, which um, doesn't get you much. But where most of what I use is the free account. Um, the only place where I have a pro account is through Broadway Unlocked. Um, but like 95% of what I do is on a free Airtable account. So mm -hmm. I encourage everybody to look into it. Shoot me a message if you want to learn more. <laughs> it's going to take over the world of anything stage managers keep in a spreadsheet. <laughs> and I love more. that. <laughs> I love that you're like, this is my goal in life. It's my quest. everyone to move to Airtable. <laughs> Um, this is how I will take over the world. <laughs> True. Uh, yeah. No, I just can't even think about how vaccine distribution would work if only they were using Airtable. Right. Me and Airtable could have vaccines <laughs> taken care of. <laughs> exactly. Um, on a slightly more serious note, how I know that ballet, which is where you primarily work, mm -hmm. um, is not specifically targeted in the We See White American Theater demands. But it is a performing art mm -hmm. and it does exist within the year of 2020 when there's a social justice movement. Um, so how is ballet approaching? What am I trying to say? How is, how is, <laughs> what is the conversation going on in ballet right now about yeah. social justice and anti-racism? So it's tricky for me to answer it right? because I've only been back with the company for a month. Um, if you don't mind, I'll approach it as more of like my personal journey. Um, so this time last year, we knew like everything shut down, everything suddenly went virtual. Um, and I took that opportunity to start learning. Um, and at the time, like I'm the kind of person who really will throw myself into a project. So I was really thrown into um, like the COVID research at the time. Um, and then the conferences started going online. So like USITT, suddenly was an online conference that I could attend because it was free. Um, the, the Opera America, I almost said TCG, the Opera America, I think I went to the TCG one too, um, conference went online and I could attend because I was working from home. Um, and the Dance USA conference went online and we had a really cheap ticket. Um, so I really made the effort to attend all of those conferences while I was still on the COVID research in Airtable, um, to just learn. I had, being in ballet can be, especially um, as a, like a full season stage manager, can be really isolating and you don't realize how isolated you are, uh, I guess, until a pandemic. Um, I actually, <laughs> I took six months off social media um, and came back to social media during the pandemic because I clearly have family internationally. 
Um, and I, people tend to update their social media more than anything else. I wanted to be able to keep track of everybody. Came back to social media and was like, what is this year of the stage manager thing? Um, and so be became part of that community and those resources heard about the stage managers association. So I really like literally jumped right back into social media with those feet, went to all these conferences um, and word was starting to grow about the social justice movement. Um, and the unconscionable murder of, Ger of George Floyd really did kick all of us into high gear. Um, but was also, I have since learned, um, I say all of us, but what I really mean is white people, most white people. Yeah, racism is something that uh, black, indigenous and people of color live with every day of their lives. Uh, and it was, it was continues to be, continues to be um, eye-opening and heartbreaking. And I, took trainings and I listened to as many people as I could and went to as many sessions as I could, as many conversations as I could listen to um, and faced some uncomfortable conversations in breakout rooms. I'm very much the kind of person who usually is like gets to the breakout room point and I'm like, I am out. I don't like, <laughs> feel very self-conscious in the breakout room. I don't feel like I have intelligent things to say, um, but I learned that I need to go and listen and I need to go and speak in draft and um, be willing to be told that I am wrong and learn from that or to hear somebody's opinion that I might never hear if I didn't stay in that breakout room. So I really made myself sit in some of that discomfort um, to learn more. And part of that, like the We See You White American Theater came out and I had that initial reaction that like this is theater this isn't ballet this isn't opera um and I have no power you know I'm just a stage manager and I think a lot of people had that initial reaction of like this is great but I'm not a producer I'm not a general manager um I'm not somebody who can control hiring or um you know a lot of the the demands that were made um but I sat with it and I, the more, and I really made the effort to keep learning and keep going out there. Um, it sounds silly, but I really, I took the advice, uh, that, that I got in a training that was like, you really, um, it's become kind of a buzzword, but you have to diversify your feed. Um, but I went out and I took follow recommendations on Instagram and I find so much information on Instagram now that you know, a year ago, I wouldn't had necessarily credited information I found on Instagram. Um, but social media has also exploded in the last year. And there are credible resources on Instagram is, you know, this, the Instagram is how they get your attention. Um, but you then follow through and do the actual reading and the resources and you find out about your own implicit bias and about the, um, institutional racism and, uh, you know, having been in a training where somebody was like, if you don't see a, a problem with it, it's because the system is set up for you as a white person was, was a, like a light bulb moment for me of, oh, of course not. <laughs> of, oh yeah, no, I've never, and like looking, like talking about my career, um, a lot of it is privilege and seeing that now that like, you know, if I, as an immigrant, had been black as opposed to being white and English, I definitely would have been treated differently just because I'm an immigrant. Uh, but because I'm a white immigrant who now sounds American, I have all the, all of this privilege. Um, 
I had the privilege of a grad school um, experience that I didn't have to apply for. Uh, like all of that is based in white privilege and institutional like racism and um, really having those moments of realization over the last 10 months. Um, and then having to make the decision going back to work, like what, what am I going to do? I don't, I'm not going to spend a year doing all of this learning um, and agreeing with all of this and saying, yes, there needs to be change. And then going back to my place of work and like sitting, going back into what's comfortable and feeling like, well, I have no power. I can't do anything about this. Um, so I'm just going to sit here with my mouth shut. So um, I have, I've been using my voice. It's really, it's scary, <laughs> um, but I have been finding ways um, to have conversations as things have come up. Um, I'm not picking fights with people, uh, but if something is said, I definitely, and it's only been like four weeks, but have been trying to like call people in. Um, I have brought up, Hey, can we have, can we have a place to share anti-racism resources? Um, we are a predominantly white company, uh, big surprise, right? Like <laughs> performing arts company is predominantly white people. Uh, and that's been well received. So I am hopeful for progress um, and I'm, I'm doing what I can to help, uh, knowing that it's probably not enough. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. You know, it's, and it's keeping my, being more aware of keeping my eyes open for upcoming um, Black, Indigenous, and people of color stage managers who can be now like pulled into a ballet track or like pulled into an opera track um, and not getting out of high school and not having any options so giving up on their theater stage management dream last question and then i have to go watch the ducktail series finale because this is very important to me <laughs> got it what brings you joy oh wow you know that's also evolved um from a professional standpoint calling a show uh that is the reason that i love stage managing is calling a show um Sweet Pea, the dog, who just repositioned herself on the couch to my left, um, has brought me a lot of joy in the last year, in general, but uh, over the last year, um, having her and Bruno, who is the dog who passed away over the summer, um, having that companionship and like having a reason to get out of the house, wearing a mask to go for a walk. Um just like having that extra, like, of course, my husband loves me, but <laughs> the love of the pet um, and that having that time with my old dog, you know, I had him from when he was eight weeks old to be able to spend the last six months um, or four months of his life exclusively together um, was incredible. Um, reading, I love reading brings me a lot of joy. And we've established I am a book nerd. Um, I'm definitely one of those people who loads up my Kindle and then turns off the Wi-Fi so that I can read all the books and the library can't have them back yet. Um, and chocolate. That's my last one. Chocolate brings me a lot of joy. <laughs> chocolate is delicious. It should yeah. bring everyone joy. Uh, the people who don't like chocolate confuse me and I don't understand how we're friends. <laughs> yep. Yeah, but Absolutely. then bonus, right? Because then like they can give me their chocolate. True. Mm -hmm. Are you a dark chocolate or a milk chocolate person? 
you know, <laughs> I don't really discriminate. I also, I like white chocolate also. Um, I don't love, um, from the UK, uh, I get sent, we get sent chocolate, my husband and I, and he likes a dairy milk variety called fruit and nut, which has like chewy pieces of dried fruit in it. Um, and that is, I don't like that, which is really great for him because he gets to eat all of his chocolate and the rest of it is for me. <laughs> so. Marriage is about sharing. Exactly. Yeah. He can have his and I'll have the rest. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm pretty sure that's how it works in my household too, mm-hmm. um, which is that he only eats chocolate cake and I prefer non-chocolate cake. So I get all the rest of the cake. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we both are. Yeah, we're good with all kinds of cake. I don't really like pie. So if there's pie, he um, gets the majority of that. But there's always chocolate. So <laughs> 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 the point is desserts are well taken care of mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all right well thank you so much for talking to me victoria and for taking this time i really appreciate it um thanks for having me it was yeah. fun it's fun getting to relive your past a little bit right just talk about yourself feel famous <laughs> everyone's right. know about you um yeah thank you This was the eighth episode of Waiting for Places, a podcast highlighting stage managers living and working in the central region of the United States. Thank you for listening. Please rate and review this podcast wherever you listen to it. It will help other stage managers find it. Also, make sure to click subscribe so you can get new episodes every Friday through July 9th. This podcast was presented by Ethical Rioting Productions. I am your host, Katrina Herman. This week on Waiting for Places, you heard from Victoria Frank. The stage manager calling places was Sadie DeSantis. This episode was edited by Katrina Herman with graphic design by Nicholas B. Paluha. A huge thank you to Morgan Supansky, Chris Laporte, and the rest of the Waiting for Places think tank, Fredo Aguilar, Caitlin Boddy, Mary Hungerford, and Jacqueline Saldana. Stand by for the next episode. All right, my friends, we currently have places. We currently have places in the house, and we're about to get started here soon. Can I get a headset check? Headset check. All right, everyone. Have a great show.